Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, the St. Louis Blues continue their good stretch of play as they beat the Vancouver Canucks 4-3 to in Vancouver. Lots of contributions to get into. We're going to be talking about that game as a whole. Could be talking about the fourth line, sort of the new look fourth line with Nathan Walker and Alexi Torpchenko up there. And we're going to be talking about the defense as the Paris got shaken up a little bit last night. Uh, so lots to get into. Make sure you stay tuned. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Josh Hyman, and I'm joined, as always, by Thomas Welch. We got a fun episode for you guys today. The Blues finally strung a few wins together, defeating the Vancouver Canucks 4-3 last night, late game. 10 p.m. Eastern, so I know Tommy and I both have the, the toothpicks in our in our eyelids by the end of it, but uh, it was certainly a fun one, you know, close there, right up until the end, a real nail-biter, but Blues end, ended up coming away with a victory after giving up, uh, going down twice by one goal, so really positive win there. The momentum from Monday's win uh, is continuing to carry over, so we'll be talking about that, and like I said, we'll be talking about the fourth line and their contributions, and then the defense in the third segment. Before we get into any of that, want to thank everyone out there who has made Locked On Blues part of your daily routine and making us your first listen. Whether it's, you know, your, your commute to work, your commute to school, you're eating your bowl of Fruit Loops in the morning, just want some background noise, we appreciate that. So anyways, Tommy, that being said, Blues came away with a pretty strong victory last night, 4-3. to three. Uh, Just right off the bat on the service, what were the, the biggest positives you saw in last night's win? I think one positive right off the bat is that Marco Scandella hasn't scored a lot of goals this season, right? But he scored the last game against the Vancouver Canucks. Nick Letty hasn't scored a lot of goals this season, but he scored this game against the Vancouver Canucks too, his second goal of the season. Scandella was also on the first pairing with Colton Pareko. So in terms of picking him as a locked-on player of the game, I feel like I did a pretty good job there. It wasn't really so much that Scandella was playing really well, and that's why they moved him up, although he was playing good. They really liked the pairing of Justin Falk and Nick Letty, so that could be something to look forward to, even once Tory Krug comes back. Um, if that's something that they go with and then put Slot Krug in on that first line, and then Scandella moves down uh, to the bottom third pairing, I don't know. It, it, it maybe just spice up the defense, give it a different look um, against something that like uh, against the look that they've had all season long, you know, obviously on this pod and even through the trade deadline and even after the trade deadline, we were, we've been talking about the struggles of this defense. And sometimes all it takes is um, a different factor to be inserted in there. Maybe it's Nick Letty, maybe it's Nick Letty just shaking things up. But uh, I do think that could be something that is potentially successful for the St. Louis Blues. But another like, another guy that's been successful, Robert Thomas. He looked fantastic. Um Getting on the score sheet as well. Nathan Walker in that bottom six, that, that fourth line, like we're going to talk about, like you said, uh, it's, it feels like it's starting to round out. I know Torpachenko was on the third line in this game, but under, nor- under normal circumstances, I feel like he'd be on that fourth line as well. And, uh, those two guys right there, I feel like, uh, could potentially fill the roles of Oscar Sundquist and Ivan Barbashev. Not that Barbashev has gone anywhere, will leave in free agency, but if he's scoring 20 goals, annually every year you're not going to give them right we got, i feel like we'd even be talking about like the bottom six as a whole right now because it's been kind of fluid yeah exactly so if you got barbashev putting up as many points as that even if he's in that bottom third i don't i don't really 
on that third line, I don't really count them as like a as a true bottom six because no. they're not like grinding, right? Like the third line of the St. Louis Blues is a superb second line on a lot of teams and a pretty solid first line on a lot of other teams. So like like you're saying, I think you should talk about the success of that whole bottom six because the depth is uh, something that's going to be a key factor for this team throughout the playoffs and as we get closer to it. But uh, I think that fourth line and uh, them finding an identity and solidifying themselves as uh, a true St. Louis Blues fourth line that we've seen over the last five to seven years uh, will also be a benefactor for this team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we saw it uh, in both wins that they had this week against the Vancouver Canucks that they really got back to what worked for you know the Blues in previous seasons, even though they don't necessarily have the roster for it quite as much this year, which we kind of thought. But then you look at that that graphic that I tweeted out a few weeks ago that said the Blues are pound for pound the biggest team in the NHL. So yeah, they got a little bit more speed. They got a little bit more skill than usual, but they're still going to be a real tough team to play against. They got some big bodies out there. You know, everyone... Uh, holds their weight and the two guys that are short on the team uh, Nathan Walker and Tori Krug play like they're about 6'5 anyways so the Blues are when they're at their best a very tough team to play against Um, we saw that in the cup run you know it was just so difficult to last in a seven game series against the St. Louis Blues and I think we saw shades of that Monday and Wednesday night in both of those wins Uh, they I believe they out hit the Canucks again last night Um, I'm not 100% sure I don't have the numbers in front of me but they were throwing the bodies around left and right, um, making the Canucks pay and, and you know, taking advantage of um, shorthanded opportunities as well. You know, Robert Thomas scoring a shorthanded goal and then O'Reilly scoring a power play goal, just really doing damage all areas of the ice at any time of the game and, and not letting the Canucks have any sort of say uh, of the direction of the game. And I think like we've talked about, that really starts with the fourth line and, and there being no no shifts off for the Vancouver Canucks, you know, no group of forwards out there that the Canucks can sort of take a breather and say, all right, let's work on our game. You know, they're, they're working no matter what, no matter who's out there for the Blues. Oddly enough, the Canucks actually had two more hits than the St. Louis Blues did. But when you think about the roster that the Canucks have and um, the names on that roster compared to the ones the Blues, and like you said, the the Blues are pound for pound the heaviest team in the league. Those hits are going to sting a little bit more when they're coming from Ivan Barbashev, when they're coming from Torpachenko, who, by the way, um, in terms of hits per game, he's on pace at an 82 game rate right now he'd have 200 hits <laughs> so the dude is lay is laying the body as as much he's as he's not getting can. a whole lot of ice uh, time but, either exactly but robert bertuzzo uh didn't have a goal josh unfortunately we were all rooting for it but he did have a massive hit uh, in open ice so uh i think in terms of robert bertuzzo and what he brings to this team i feel like that gets the boys riled up almost as much as a robert bertuzzo goal I said almost almost as much as a Robert Bertuzzo goal does because he does it so well. And it's it's setting the tone with that phys- physicality and bringing that energy. I feel like there's multiple ways for everyone on this team to contribute. And that's, in my opinion, probably the best way for Robert Bertuzzo to be successful in helping this team steamroll, no pun intended, to the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to have to become a, a new segment on uh, every episode, the Did Robert Bertuzzo Score segment. Today, today the answer is no. Tomorrow night after the 9 p.m. game, maybe we're doing an emergency pod for the Robert Bortuzzo goal. We're gonna have we're gonna have to keep a running tally now because I feel like he's gotta get one by the end of the season. And hey, maybe it'll be next game. If you think it's next game, go on Bet Online right now. Take the Robert Bortuzzo over for goals. I don't have it in front of me. I'm sure it's uh the odds are, are in your favor on that it's one. Probably half. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, it's definitely it's definitely half. But I, I'm sure you'd be making a, a pretty penny if if you, if that bet cashed. So if you want to make that bet or any other bet, you got to check out BetOnline.net because after months of playing, college basketball has determined the top four teams. It will determine this year's national champion this weekend. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts, and we'll be right back. All right, Tommy, what are your thoughts on the NCAA national championship game occurring at Monday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern? I know it's always like weird, weird like that, but I feel like we got to talk about it. We got to put it out there. That okay? So the final four is Villanova versus Kansas, right? Yeah, and then it's UNC, UNC versus Duke, which is gonna be a great game. Those games are both Saturday, and then you got a late night Monday game for the championship. I feel like I, w- I was okay. So this is how much recency bias has an effect on me. Okay, I was watching a video today of. Villanova and the way that they cycle the ball, cycle the ball. So they're cycling pucks, Josh. They they're playing great out there. But the way that like they pass the ball around the court, I guess when they're about to take like a three point shot, they actually jump like into the pass to get away from like the closing defender and gives them a little bit of extra room just to pop that three. And like the video was saying that's why they shoot so well. So I'm gonna pick Villanova to win over Kansas, and I'm gonna pick Duke to win over uh, UNC, even though Caleb Love, STL boy, is on UNC. He's been lighting it up. I think uh, he's got, I think he's a freshman or a sophomore he's or something like that. Down, so he's got a, he'll be back. He'll be back for sure. But yeah, we're going Duke versus Villanova in the championship game. I'm going to take Duke over oh, Villanova because of the steal, coach. Stealing my, stealing my pick. Yeah. I'm hopping on your bandwagon because I like the emotional power that a Duke championship would bring and to kind of send coach k out the door on the highest note possible yeah can you imagine having a, an a 8 a.m class tuesday morning if you go to any of those schools that make it like that's what i'm saying if you're if you go to unc and they make the national championship you're watching that game from 9 to eleven thirty, and then if you win you're not going to sleep till maybe 10 minutes before that class starts so i don't know Th- that monday night start time is is devious um but I think I, I think I'll be I'll be enjoying myself during that because it's March Madness. It's always it's a must watch. It's always it's enjoyable. always enjoyable. Ugh. I'll never get over the the year the tournament got canceled. Maryland would have we would have had it. We would have had it. Anyways, I digress. I digress. It's time to talk about the fourth line or the fourth line players because, like you said, Torpchenko is playing up. But so one thing we've talked about a lot on this podcast is the identity of the fourth line or lack thereof. Uh, and how it was such a big part of the Blues Cup run, and how it could be such a big part of any team's cup run. You know, you look at Tampa Bay with Patty Maroon anchoring their fourth line. Like it, it's a big part of of having an, of depth uh, at the forward position. And Blues kind of didn't have that quite formulate this year until now. Maybe you know Nathan Walker is a guy that's been up and down. Had a hat trick earlier this season and was everywhere last night. Alexei Trubchenko, I know you said he was up on the third line, but when he is down there on that fourth line, he's banging bodies, would be on pace for 200 hits if he was playing a full NHL regular season. Um, so overall, you know, that line seems like it's come together and, and really just formed the new identity as of late. Mackenzie McEachern, another guy, is sort of a, a journeyman up and down 
between the AHL and the NHL, but you know, never, never backs down to the call. Always seems like he's been playing for weeks straight whenever he gets into the lineup. So I liked what I saw out of the fourth line last night. Uh, two points total. Nathan Walker with a goal. Mackenzie McEachern with an assist. Might have been another one. I'm not sure who else was on that line with Torpchenko being up. But um, Logan Brown. Oh yeah, he Logan had a Brown. Good game too. Didn't get a lot of ice time though. Only like seven minutes of ice time for him. But still, right. that fourth line is looking pretty strong. And and I guess in general, before we get into the players itself, what does a good fourth line mean for a team, especially as of late in Europe? Well, I think for the Blues specifically, it's just grinding right like in every sense of the word your fourth line has to be hunting pucks they have to win puck battles they have to force turnovers and maybe create scoring opportunities maybe not but just make it difficult on the other team and like I think that was one of the biggest things for 2019 and why they were so successful was because not only could they go out there and score but defensively like Craig Berube felt comfortable enough to line them up against any other line that they were facing, including first lines with like top tier talent, they shut them down immediately. Um, and so I'm not saying that every, every fourth line that the blues ever have, um, should meet that criteria, but it's something that they should aspire to, right? Just kind of have some kind of identity, whether it's a checking line, whether it's another scoring line, even though the blues, I feel like have a lot of those, whether it's a shutdown line, something that they can hold a candle to and say, Hey, this is what we're really good at. This is what we're going to go out there and do. Here's what you can expect from us uh, and utilize us in situations uh, as you see fit. And I think slowly, but surely, especially like losing Oscar Sundquist is a, is a huge loss to the identity of that fourth line. But I think slowly, but surely um, Mackenzie McKecker and Logan Brown, Nathan Walker, Clem Kossin get, th- get thrown in there, Alexei Torpachenko. I think the Blues have the personnel in-house um, that can kind of evolve into those positions of identity. Uh, it's just a matter of time and whether they're going to do so or not. Right, and it, and it definitely could be one of those things where, you know, better late than never. Like, that line's kind of been a revolving door all season. Uh, there have been so many different players that have played on I I, I want to guess at least 10 different guys have been on the fourth line for the St. Louis Blues this year. Uh, just between injuries and COVID and call-ups and call-downs and, and jumbling of the lines. It's really hasn't been that consistent just in terms of personnel, which is probably why it's lacked a little bit of identity. Uh, and sometimes it's been a scoring line. Sometimes it's been a checking line. Uh, last night, it was a little bit of both. You know, they did their job in the defensive end. And Nathan Walker really was one of the most noticeable forwards last night. Um, obviously, that is a big part due to his play style, just how much energy he plays with. And his motor is incredible, just constantly flying around out there. But he, it's not like he was getting noticed for the wrong reasons, wasn't making turnovers, had a couple of decent scoring chances, um, had one move where he kind of like cut in between two defenders with a nice little deke. I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about. Didn't didn't get a I didn't get the best shot off, but I was like, whoa, who was that? Was that Cairo? No, he's not playing. Who was that? That was Nathan Walker. Holy crap. So And he scored a goal too. And he scored a goal. Just absolute beautiful fourth line esque goal. Just loose puck out front. You know, no one really knows where it is. All of a sudden here's little Nathan Walker, you know, ducking under your under your elbow and putting the puck in the top corner. Um it was really great to see overall. Another strong point last night was the defense, surprisingly. Um, haven't been able to say that a lot. You know, even though it was four to three, it's not like they, they absolutely shut him down. But I really feel like for the last two games, we haven't seen the defensive scheme fall apart like it has in so many other games. It, it, st- it stood strong. And anytime you're in, you know, a, a city like Vancouver, uh, West Coast, late night games. It's going to be hard to get a win no matter how how well you're playing. So the defense did their job last night as they did on Monday. 
Um, and it's been consistent, so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the potential defensive pairings when Tory Krug does return. All that and more. Make sure you stay tuned. Okay, one final segment, and it's going to be a fun one because we spent a lot of time complaining about this defense this season, a lot of time criticizing, constructively criticizing, and, and also just frustratingly criticizing. We've had a lot of negative things to say about this defense, and pretty much nobody has been safe besides maybe Justin Falk and Tory Krug. Um, and now, I guess, also Nick Letty, because he is continuing to look really strong on that second pairing with Justin Falk, kind of filling in for Tory Krug perfectly, as perfectly as he could. You know, it doesn't have the exact same skill set, but that pairing is looking just as strong as it was when Tory Krug was on it. And also, Marco Scandella back up there with Colton Pareko somehow looked good again, which that pairing has been, you know, hasn't looked good in a season and a half. Maybe, maybe it's back. Maybe they're back. I don't know. It's, I was surprised. I forgot about that when we first got Scandella that he was paired with Pareko for like 10 games and they were like the best pairing yeah we were like 10 and 0 yeah they were were the best pairing in the the acquisition of Scandella yeah that's I damn wow that really puts a lot of things into perspective but um you're talking about us like badgering this defense all season long and one of the guys I feel like maybe we never gave a chance to and maybe it's just because like the amount of names that we have on this defense that still didn't get it done uh probably left a sour taste in our mouths but I thought Kale Rosen these last couple of games has been fantastic. I mean, the dude's skating ability is bar none, like, top tier, right? And, like, maybe he doesn't have the veteran experience. Maybe he's not going to go out there and bang bodies. And maybe he's not going to win, like, every puck battle and, like, puck retrieval. But when the Blues are trying to break it out of the zone like they've struggled with and why they went and got Nick Letty, um, that skating ability comes in very handy. And I feel like more so especially with the acquisition of Letty, that this team was trying to isolate that fact and get a lot better at moving the puck out of the zone than they were at uh, trying to keep pucks out of the net, which is a bold strategy, Cotton, I'll admit. But I, I, I think it's kind of that identity thing again. Like if, you, if you're really good at something, you're going to be successful in that aspect. And yeah, maybe like a couple games here and there, like you're going to lose because you can't keep the puck out of the net. But the Blues offense is good enough to be able to hang scoring-wise with the big dogs, like the top tiers in the league, at least on paper they should be able to. So I think Nick Letty has been a saving, honestly a saving grace in that aspect. Like I've seen multiple times where Colton Pareko uh, tries to get the puck out of the zone, can't do it, gets the puck taken off of him. Nick Letty comes around, takes it back, and then just exits the zone like he's got one hand taped behind his back with his eyes closed and he just does it easily. I don't know. It's just... I, this is something he's really good at, but, um, yeah, like I said, Kale Rosen's been doing pretty good at it too. So if that's, maybe that's the magic combination, I don't know, but, uh, this defense is slowly, but surely starting to look better. And it's promising as you get closer to, uh, the end game. As imagine, say. imagine Kale Rosen is, is the missing piece we needed all along. Dude, you never know, man, but it definitely can be something real subtle like that. Like if the defense was just, just had that little, little bit extra, weight on them that just made things so much harder you know the zone exits you know everything else was stifled because they couldn't get the puck out of the zone therefore they just looked worse overall and i mean it might be you know time to admit that the defense is looking maybe the best it has all season with the addition of nick letty 
And that is saying that we're probably missing our second best defenseman in Tory Krug this whole time. It just in terms of scheme and and consistency and you know play, you could tell that there's direction to the defense now. You got senses of it here and there, but they would get frustrated. They would kind of lose that direction throughout most of the games. Most of the times when we would criticize them and be like, you know, we we could see the flashes. We could see that there was something there, some sort of scheme, some sort of style that they were going for. They just never really put the pieces together. And all of a sudden Nick Letty comes in and just lifts that tiny little weight off of everyone's shoulder. And I was like, oh yeah, wait, we we are a good defense. We we can do this. And, and I'm not saying like they have the a 2019 caliber defense because I don't think, I mean, that was one of the best defenses the NHL had seen, you know, that season. So, but is it maybe approaching above average? Yeah. Yeah. They're at average approaching above average. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, okay. So here, riddle me this Batman, right? Hmm. So you've got, you've, you've got, you've got a couple guys that are very much transition defensemen and their skating ability, their passing ability is their bread and butter. uh, And the way that they skate out of the zone is their bread and butter. Nick Letty, Kale Rosen and Tory Krug, and they all play on the left side. So can you imagine if all three of those are your left side defensemen, and every single pairing you've got one guy that can just do it by himself and get the puck out of the zone? I would. I'm not saying that's the answer either. I'm just saying I, I'd like to see what that would look like because wow. they'd just be cruising. Like like at times when Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo get the puck on the power play. And it just looks like everyone else is moving in slow motion. I kind of imagine that that's what it would look like on the defensive side. That would be honestly, yeah. And that would then you got a, a the right side of Pareko, Falk, and Tortuzo, whatever. I honestly, that's 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 interesting because it would it would definitely change up the style a little bit. But also maybe that's the style the Blues have been going for all season. They've just been missing that third breakout capable defenseman like one lockdown and one right mover. right and they're they've yeah. been missing that third guy therefore they're you know they couldn't really form that oh man okay well we'll have to see when going on. when 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 tory crew comes back i mean who knows we could be seeing a, a a new sort of defensive to offense style from the st louis blues and we've seen we've gotten a taste of it definitely in these last few games with krug out um you know they've they've been picking up the slack I guess decently, Scandella obviously isn't that guy, but Nick Letty and Kel Rosen have been perfect at it, like you said. So, I mean, I don't know where that would leave Marco Scandella in in your hypothetical, but frankly, I'm not, I'm not too concerned. Not to not to rip yeah, on him after with splinters in the backs yeah, of his legs. Yeah, not to <laughs> not 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 that we should rip on Marco Scandella because we have been pretty positive over the last two episodes. Like you said, also like he was a dynamic pairing the second he got here with Colton Pareko. So if they can tap into that again, we don't even have to get into a conversation of dear God is Kale Rosen the answer to the Blues problems because Marco Scandella will just be looking like he did when we first acquired him and everything will be groovy. So there's still avenues here for the Blues to be successful defensively. Definitely the maybe the most optimistic I've been about our defense this whole season, uh, apart from like before opening night where I was like, oh, maybe, maybe we'll be good uh so <laughs> hey who knows especially once tory krug comes back uh how nice would it be if he can sort of step into a uh, step back into a system where his pairing isn't like the number one pairing far and away if they can sort of just roll three pairings pretty evenly and, and let him do his thing oh man i'm excited but the only way we're gonna find out if that happens is just waiting and seeing so if you want to hear our reactions to all that and anything else that happens 
within the world of the St. Louis Blues and the NHL. Make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and that notification bell. That way, whenever we upload a video to the Locked On Blues YouTube channel, just Locked On Blues if you're trying to find it, uh, you'll be the first to know. Leave a comment. We try to interact with all the comments you guys leave. We have a lot of fun doing that. Uh, make sure you follow us on all of our socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Locked On Blues. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. Follow Tommy at TWelcher15. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, let's go Blues.